Hello and welcome to the Learning From Legend show with me, Peter Switzer. On this week's show, we meet a former Young Australian of the Year, Sam Cawthorn, who has become an international speaker, a businessman and a significant influencer thanks to a tragic accident that took his arm and left him in a wheelchair. And our next guest is the GM of Eden Health Retreat, a legendary business, and his name is Chris Van Hoof. And we want to see how this business survived the troubles and the challenges of the coronavirus. So joining me on the program is a uh, very impressive young Australian called Sam Cawthorn. He's the author of a book called People Follow People, The 12 Characteristics of an Influential Leader. Sam, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Peter. Now, I've got to say, if I take myself back in time, you know, I... It would have been unusual for someone of my age to talk to a young person of your age about leadership. Now, and, and that's that's not totally fair. There were some exceptional young people back in 1994 when I first started writing about small business, you know, people like uh, John McGrath and people like that who were young and they were showing the industry how to do things. And, of course, you know, Steve Jobs and people like that were young at the time. But um, I think... In the age of influencers, like we never talked about influencers until your generation basically st- saw the, the important role of influencers, particularly on the internet. So it seems to me a, a very logical thing that I should be talking to a person of your age about influencers. So, so tell us about how influencers have, been, have influenced you. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. Ultimately, it it certainly it is when we are growing up. You've got our parents that influence us, and then we've got our teachers that influence us. However, nowadays, as as we all know, social media is now such a big part of business. It's such a big part of trends of culture and so on and so forth. But the the most uh, disappointing thing is is that. You know, particularly with this new generation that's coming through, the majority of influencers that people that are actually, you know, influencing our, our business all the way through to, you know, our young people are these young kids makeup tutorials or maybe, you know, their skimpy clothing, not wearing a lot of clothing. And I suppose my mission now, and particularly with this book, is to teach influences in general how they can have the characteristics of whether it's longevity whether it's integrity whether it is you know storytelling all the like mm. but you know I've, I've got three teenage kids and mate I, i'm pretty worried about what they're what they're focused on at the moment with mm. the influences online yeah so sam when did you win the award as young australian of the year uh look this was uh back in 2009 i had a I had a massive car accident. I lost my arm, wrecked my leg. And then and then ultimately a lot of people then asked me to share my story and I suppose the rest is history. I've now spoken in over 40 countries. I've written 10 books. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, now I'm in my 40s and I've got about five or six businesses uh, all around the world and I oversee a team of about 90 people, including about 40 volunteers mm. that all volunteer for me full-time and ultimately now we teach other people how they can be better influencers in the in the workplace in the marketplace so tell us about the businesses um what's what's the the core business that that generates the most important amount of revenue 
Yeah, so I run a company called Speakers Institute. Uh, our head office is down at The Rocks uh, here in Sydney. And ultimately, we're a training organisation. And we teach uh, uh, everything from managers, leaders, executives, all the way through to solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, how they can communicate more effectively, whether it is presenting skills, storytelling skills, and then all the way through to how to write uh, uh, online or the like. So ultimately, how to win people's attention through written or verbal communication. For people who missed your story, <clears throat> what was the the nature of the accident um, which then generated in, in interest in the stories that you told out of that tragic, yeah. a, a tra tragic episode in your life? Yeah. Look, ideally, I, look, obviously I now live with a disability. I've only got one arm and, and I've got a wrecked leg that doesn't, doesn't work at all. I'd like to say it was a big shark attack or a crocodile attack, but the bottom line is it was just simply a car accident. But one thing I found is after that journey, I realised that people are inspired through real-life stories, whether it is, you know, a, a story of resilience, a story of overcoming adversity, and I just learned how to share my story in a really powerful way. And so just first of all started talking in schools and the kids loved it. And then all of a sudden talking at corporate conferences, you know, like an opening keynote or a closing keynote, uh, more, more around inspiration uh, and so on and so forth. But, you know, us human beings, we're hardwired through narrative. Mm. We're hardwired through stories. And when there's a great story, we, uh, we tend to be inspired by it. Okay, so let's be graphic about this. You, you, you lost your arm and your leg was, you know, pretty well useless as you described it. Did, did it initially have a very negative effect on you and then you found a way to overcome that negativity and then to find opportunity in your threat? Yeah. Yeah, crisis certainly does create opportunity. Uh, you're right. <laughs> And so, yeah, ultimately, I was driving along. It was a 206-kilometre head-on collision with a semi-trailer truck. It was my fault. I fell asleep behind the wheel mm -hmm. uh, and I veered over the other side of the road. So my right arm was ripped off just above the elbow. Uh, my entire right side of my body completely shattered from broken ribs uh, all the way through to punctured kidney, collapsed lungs. My hip was cracked. My entire right leg was intertwined with the car. And so it took, it took them a while to cut me out of the car. Actually, they had to resuscitate me initially because my heart stopped for, for about a minute, I was told. Yeah, I can imagine uh, I, Yeah, on life support for a week, in hospital for five months, in a wheelchair for a year. So, you know, it, it, it was a pretty difficult journey to say the least. You know, there were times when I did want to give up. Uh, there were times when... You know, I, I just simply wanted to end it. But I think the biggest thing that helped me get through it was my kids. You know, my it gave me a reason to fight, gave me a reason to live. And certainly then I wanted to then go out there and influence other people through my story. How old were you at the time? Uh, I was 26 years old at the time. So, yeah, it was 15 years ago. I'm now 41. And, and how old were your kids? Uh, so I had a four-year-old girl and then I had a little one-and-a-half-year-old girl. It must Actually, be. It, it, 
Sorry, yeah, I, I then had a son about 18 months after. It was quite interesting because the my surgeon, he goes, Sam, you lost a lot of things in the car accident, but uh, it's a good thing something still works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, your wife must have been a hero to, to live through that sort of experience. Like a four and a one-and-a-half-year-old you know, is like you know, terrorism on steroids and then you come home in a wheelchair so she must have been a bit of a, a hero, hero in her own right. Yeah, I met my wife at high school down in Tasmania. So we were born and raised down there. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've now been together for 25 years. Mate, she's been a rock star. Mm. Uh, the, the, uh, the amazing way how she was really steadfast there in the family unit. I mean, obviously then I got all this attention. I won the Young Australian of the Year, a few other things back then. Mm. Um, and so I got all this attention, but, you know, and so she obviously, you know, she needed a little, uh, um, emotional, mental support, but yeah, she's amazing. So what did you do to draw attention to the fact that the, the board that selects the Australian of the year and the young Australian of the year, what did you think they identified as your, your greatest contribution? Yeah. So, so ultimately, after my car accident, there was a, a little bit of media down there in Tassie, et cetera, about this guy. He's on life support. They don't think he's going to make it, et cetera. And then 12 months later, I'm in a wheelchair, um, uh, you know, dedicating 100, you know, leaving my full-time job and just simply going into schools and sharing my story. Mm. Uh, so then I started a charity uh, in and around uh, inspiring young kids to, uh, in and around everything from road safety all the way through to mindset, resilience, et cetera. And so I think, uh, I think they recognise that inspirational journey that I was on, but also at the same time me wanting to then help other young kids as well. So, yeah. And what were you before the car accident? What did you do? Yeah, I was working for the Australian Federal Government as a youth futurist, so for the Department of Education, Employment, Workplace Relations, mm. And I was predicting trends when it came to young people to help them on that smoother transition mm. from schools to either further education, training or employment. Mm. So what leaders have inspired you? <laughs> Look, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we see leaders that are in the news all the time. We see Trump, we see Obama, we see Jacinta Ardern, we see Michelle Obama, we see Oprah, et cetera. Mandela. And, sorry? Mandela. Yeah, man. Oh, look, without a doubt, Gandhi, if you really... So, so ultimately, there's always going to be those type of people that you read about, that you watch about, that you're inspired by in one way, shape or form. But for me, you know, um, it's the everyday people as well that I'm really inspired by, you know, everything, even from this recent uh, Australia Day Awards, seeing these young people uh, winning these awards for doing extraordinary things. My father, he was a Scottishman. My mum, she was an Indian, uh, and they really pioneered. Like I'm part of a family of eleven, mm-hmm. born and raised in country Tasmania. God. So yeah, look, um, uh, well, so I, your your I, father will allow you to call him a Scottish man. Like I, had, <laughs> I had a grandfather who was a Scot. And that was he, what he was. He wasn't a Scottish man. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Scot. And look, he, he was a hard yakka worker there in Tassie. But, yeah, look, I, I feel that, you know, every single day I meet people that inspire me. And I think that's the beauty of living in wonder. I mean, I, in a way, I've been given a second chance. 
And so I'm now, it's literally as if I'm looking through the lens of someone totally different. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose that's, that's what this book is all also about as well, realising that we, we, we now as human beings, we've lost trust in organisations, businesses, logos, products. And what we're seeing is a huge trend towards the profile economy, mm-hmm. meaning that people follow people. And nowadays, if you look at most content that is consumed online, more than 96% of content that is consumed online is from an individual. It's from a human. It's mm-hmm. not from a brand, a company, an organization, a product. So nowadays, you know, we, we look at Tesla and, and, and we look at Elon. We look at Apple and we look at Steve. We look at, you know, American government. We think Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, everything has a human being attached to it. Yeah, Virgin so, and Branson, of course. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, with this profile economy, I feel that, you know, I feel that it's important for us to have the right characteristics such as integrity, such as character rather than charisma. So when you, you know, I, 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 I presume when I saw the title of the book, I haven't had a chance to, to read it yet, but people follow people. Did you identify people who were worthy of being followed or did you... Well, that's, that's probably the key question. Did you identify people who were really worthy of being followed? Yeah, so it, it, it's, it started about a year and a half ago, this book, where I spoke for the United Nations. Mm. And uh, 4,000 people in the audience. And straight afterwards, they actually then did a Q&A. And they were asking me about the future of influence. Because ultimately, what, what a lot of people look at the word influence is, in a way, you know, someone showing off their boobs or alternatively, someone doing makeup tutorials. Uh, but I believe, you know, there's a shift when it does come to influence, where people are now looking for positive influence, positive voices and longevity in an influencer as well. Mm. And, so, and so ultimately, I believe that there are true characteristics if you want to be an influencer that's going to make you be an influencer worth following. Mm. Uh, because I think, you know, us, us Australians, you know, and excuse the punt, we've got big bullshit meters. Mm. And so ultimately we want to make sure that we're going to follow someone that is worth following, someone that's got depth of character, someone that's got credibility behind them, you know, and you started off this interview, whether it's someone old or if it's someone young, but what we want, we want to see someone that's actually had fruit, someone that's, uh, you know, and ultimately is someone that is worth following, mm. whatever it is. And that's, I think, what you've obviously built there as well, Peter. Yeah, thanks, mate. I guess, you know, deep down, that's what you always wanted to do, particularly, I don't know whether you started off as a teacher, but I did start off as a teacher, and you, you realise that you are an influencer. And so I... I brought to the media a goal to educate rather than just tell just to tell news stories. I wanted to actually educate people about the, the key issues around those news stories. Mate, do you think in many ways well, is there a standout Australian who you follow, um, you want to know what he or she is thinking about particular issues? Yeah, there is one leader here in Australia which actually sits under the radar and there's a bit of negative press around him, but I look at him as one of the greatest leaders that Australia has ever produced. Mm-hmm. He's not a politician, but people might even look at him as a politician. A lot of people would disagree with his views, but I like the fella. Now, I'm not religious. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, I got a faith, and his name is Brian Houston. Mm. He's the guy that started Hillsong Church. It's now the largest global church on the planet. Yeah. Um, and one thing, I, one thing you've got to give the bloke, you know, he he has over fifty to sixty thousand people that volunteer for him each year. He's got a hundred thousand people who come along each week. And you've got to give it to the bloke. There's something that he's done over a long period of time, no matter how much media will just hassle him mm. and rip him apart. He's standing firm, and I think he's an extraordinary leader. Yeah, yeah, he certainly has proved that the growth of Hillsong is proof of that. And you're right. There are people who don't agree with what Hillsong does and what Brian's achieved, but certainly he, ha- he is an extraordinary influencer. From, from your point of view... Um, what do you think people need to do to improve the influences in their life? Apart from reading your book, of course, would be a great start. <laughs> We're not going to dispute that. But what? What? And look, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm saying from a point of view, if, if there's a young person listening to us who hadn't thought about, you know, the the role of influences and what what kind of impact they can have on their life, if there's a parent listening. With the same challenges as you, worried about the influences out there and the impact it might have on their kids. You know, who 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 is out there that you would actually say th- these are the people who are really providing great influences on, for younger people? Yeah, great question. You know, people follow people that they trust, yeah? Mm. And so, like, for me, when I look at my kids, you know, they're following a lot of, uh, in a way, douchebags on TikTok or on YouTube yeah, and a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and so, ultimately, um, I'm going to look into a couple of these influences that my kids follow mm. and actually tell them and literally have a conversation with them why they shouldn't follow them. So ultimately, I'm going to get involved in who they do follow online because nowadays, these these people on TikTok are influencing our kids more than us as their parents. Mm. Uh, and so certainly, I'm going to get more and more involved in that. And so, yeah, look, there's a there's a. And that was not an easy question, mate. I, I I'm, yeah. I'm actually throwing it there because I I couldn't easily answer that question. Um, but but it's, it's probably a question we need to answer. Who are the great influencers out there who may well be uber cool, so they're sellable <laughs> to younger generations? That, yeah, that- look, look, t- Taylor Swift or, uh, is certainly something that comes to mind. There's another guy out there called Brendan Burchard. There's another guy out there called, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, you know, there's another girl out there called Sarah Cordner. So there's a couple of great, you know, young, cool, hip people that that ultimately have a strong depth of character yet at the same time are really relevant and, and that's the challenge how can you be relevant win their attention yet at the same time have that depth of character that we know that they are a person that we can trust as well well mate um i'm sure anyone who hasn't heard of you before this day uh, will certainly be very interested in being influenced by sam cawthorn um the author of the book, People Follow People, The 12 Characteristics of an Influential Leader. Mate, thanks for joining us on the program. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Peter. Now, for those people out there who didn't know, uh, yes, we are a financial planning business. Uh, it's switzeradvisory.com.au. A lot of people uh, have been surprised to learn that we are a financial planning business. I guess I've never really pushed it because lots of people have came come to us anyway, but... 
over the years, I realized that people are really happy to know that we're doing financial planning. So if you need some help in building wealth, just go to switzeradvisory.com.au and our number, simple one, 1300 Switzer. Well, we, we generally interview people who are legends, and even though Chris Van Hoof, the general manager of Eden Health Retreat, might think he's a legend in his own mind. Um, <laughs> sorry, Chris. No, cer- cool. cer- certainly the business Eden Health Retreat is a legendary business, and uh, I'm sure the people who have interacted with Chris think he's a legend as well. Thanks for joining <laughs> us on the program. Great to be here, Peter. Good to see you again. And look, I think it's fair to call Eden a legendary business. Like when I first came across it, you know, you may well may well have been in, in nappies. I, I, I'm not sure how, how old you are, Chris, but Eden's been going around for a long time and it used to be like a boot camp. It was get healthy and they used to kick the butt out of you to, to yeah, make yeah, you healthy, yeah. wasn't it? That was the original basis of the business. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm just slightly older than Eden. Eden is uh, 36 years old. Yeah. So- been operating as a health retreat for that long prior to that it was a farm but you are correct but in the very beginning it was very uh it was new to the market it was quite a, a different offering and you get dragged out of bed bunk beds at that time you'd uh yeah. 100% participation or the or the staff would really give you a hard time so it's changed quite a bit since then okay um that kind of attitude and that kind of leading of the customer would have changed but i i guess the inherent idea of changing people from the way they are in their normal life to a way that may well be better for them that still must be a, a theme at, at, at Eden yeah yeah absolutely I think what you've seen in the industry over those years is that it's become it's moved away from being a, a um, top-down approach where people would come to hear from gurus and learn the way of the world and I think now people are you know, taking ownership of their health and, and trying to understand their own path. And that's very much what we do here is we have a, a retreat that focuses on health. That's our one thing that we want you to achieve whilst you're here is to leave here healthier than, than when you arrived. And we've got a whole heap of, you know, healthy rituals and behaviours and different um, classes and, and uh, experiences that people can enjoy while they're here to then, you know, not only have a healthy week, but more so to take health home with them and and um, focus on leading a healthier lifestyle. I remember a guy who was a, um, a very overweight real estate agent from the Cronulla area. I knew him well. And, um, you yeah, know, he was, he was wealthy, a wealthy guy and he, he went for a week with you guys and he lost a lot of weight and uh, jumped in his car, drove straight to the Gold Coast and just started laying into McDonald's and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And, and to my way of thinking – you know, if if a business like yours is going to have the the, the real benefit, you, you'd hope that you change somebody, and that was a long time ago. I, I'm I'm sure it wasn't what you're doing now, and I suspect along the way you guys realise that you have to work hard to actually try and plant the seeds of real change. Yeah, I mean, change that change mentality is definitely such a big part of you know, our offering still, but I also think that it's, it's also the opportunity to disconnect, to really switch off. Mm. And uh, you mentioned the gentleman who came to lose weight. What we've seen over that time is that people are less, less focused on the physical uh, image of losing weight. And in this day and age, people, uh, you know, they love being here because they get to connect with 
nature. They get to step away from their mobile phones. They get to really leave here with a sense of purpose and also a sense of uh, mental well-being, which is probably more uh, prevalent these days than the than the physical well-being. They go hand in hand, but the the look on people's faces and the comments that we get of the feeling that they have when they leave Eden is mm. it's all about hey the, the I say it all the time the hamster in the in the in the head sort of seems to slow down on the wheel a little bit, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. It seems to me that that's the kind of message, that's the kind of um, gift that can be a little bit. Um, longer enduring than um the uh, the gift that my real estate mate got yeah yeah well yeah we've uh if he's headed straight to mcdonald's that's not going to last too long at all <laughs> no, no. Said, you know there's a two-week period after the retreat where people will continue to reflect back on what they felt like and the lessons they learned and the connections that they made so yeah it's yeah. a long-lasting experience and and one thing I, i've i've noticed in society um when it comes to treating people for either physical or mental challenges the m-word meditation has become such a big thing and i presume that's something that you guys encourage it is yeah we we try and uh, take that back a notch because meditation can be such a powerful word and a lot of people might be a little bit intimidated by that you know you and i might meditate completely differently mm. you might want to head out for a run or a walk on the beach or connect with your family in some way whatsoever and so that's that's essentially what how we frame it and then you know we give people the opportunity to go as as deep or as shallow as they like into that practice but definitely you know the ability to push pause and to to stop and to try and slow the brain down and slow the body down and just to connect with how you're feeling and connect with your surrounds is a, is a really healthy practice mm. Yeah, I must admit when I've done some investigation into meditation because a lot of the people I've been interviewing, they say it's been really important for their success that they've got involved in meditation. Um, and uh, I've been fascinated. I think one definition I saw was, um, well, it wasn't necessarily a definition, but they saw that if, for example, you went for a walk in the forest and, and, and there was no man-made sounds around and all you were hearing were birds and trees and twigs breaking that's what the body really is in tune to actually want to hear and he, he the person who's raised that's like meditation and uh when i read that i instantly thought where, where i would be at my most meditative and that would be walking along the beach or or surfing but surfing by myself with no one who wants to drop in on me and put pressure and fight for waves or if there's sharks out there, that can ruin my meditation as well. But if I've got the situation where it's it's just like that, ah, I'm totally at relax, relaxed yeah, with the world. Nice. You should chase that feeling. I, you know, that's the kind of thing that you should be trying to do as much of as you can. Yeah. I don't think you'll be able to surf by yourself up here on the Gold Coast. It just doesn't happen. No. That's a myth. But yeah. uh, if you can find a break that's yours, then, yeah, tuck in. Yeah, exactly right. So... Um, what what are in a nutshell? If someone wanted to know what is a program at Eden, what what is a typical program? Yeah, I mean, uh, overarching our entire program is our care philosophy, which is centered around four key pillars of you know your ability to connect to country, and that can be understanding the indigenous uh, ancestry of our place, but also just spending some time in nature. Um, the second thing that we focus on is allowing you to align to purpose. So understanding the why behind the what. A lot of, a lot of us know what we do. We're not sure why we do it. So going a little bit deeper in that thought. 
Um, we have a big thing that we say we, we love to respect the ritual, so the ritual of health, whether that be through eating or moving or slowing down and meditating. And then we like to uh, give people the opportunity to have an experience that is really engineered to where, where they are in their lives at that time. So we pack a full day uh, program with so many different options, whether that be you know waking up early in the morning and doing a yoga class before breakfast or going on a bushwalk before breakfast and then moving into something a little bit more active, whether that be boxing or a circuit class in the gym. Uh, we have you know sound bowl healing. We have uh, various forms of Pilates and yoga and um, you know connecting to the land. There's all that sort of intertwined throughout our program. We have adventure activities, flying foxes, the real adrenaline junkies out there. But the idea is that people weave their way through the program and enjoy the experience in their own unique way, according to how they're feeling at any point in time. Mm. And we even do that when we give out our daily program we say to people look the night before you'll read that program and you might identify things that you want to enjoy or participate in the next day however if you wake up in the morning and you don't have that energy or if you're feeling like you know changing your program slightly you have the freedom to do that as well so it is really unique to the individual but we do cover a broad range of um, offerings throughout the, the entire week so the, the meanness of the old eden has been replaced by the, the caring and sharing uh, we're, we're very caring. We, uh, have a, we call it a care philosophy. Yeah. We have a statement which we worked hard on and I think that that took place over the, the COVID shutdown while we had a lot of time to really interrogate our culture and what it means for us to be able to welcome people in here. And, you know, I work with, I work with a staff who are genuinely passionate about helping others and that's a really special thing um, and it's something that we've, you know, we've, we've identified as this is what ties us together and what Eden does but certainly are far away from the, the boot camp you know put a whistle around our neck and yell at people it doesn't quite happen anymore <laughs> but chris one last question before i start talking about the implications of the coronavirus um given the 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 goal to try and help people embrace a different way of of life do you occasionally get someone who as a consequence of the realizations that you guys you know help them understand sort of psychologically needs some sort of support and some help because, you know, they've been living their life in a crazy way and all of a sudden you hold a mirror and say, this, this is probably going to be better for you and they start feeling better and they could have like a, an emotional reaction to that. We spend the most, I always joke, we spend a lot of money on food here. It's an amazing menu that we give and we spend a lot of money on tissues. Uh, <laughs> tears, tears flow freely here and that's completely okay. Mm. Uh, it's part of the the human emotional spectrum and certainly we that happens all the time peter when people you know they have a realization or they have a thought process and and you know that's the magic that's where that magic happens you, you get people who can actually really take long-term change away from this because everyone can everyone can live like a monk for a week if you put the right conditions around them we can all eat well and move well and speak well and think well for a week but you know on the larger a larger picture in all of this is that we want people to have lasting effects of their time with us, and um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely part of that. We we've got a, a, a fantastic team that you can nurture them through wherever their wherever their emotional roller coaster takes them. Okay, I, I hate to underline the possibility of something negative, but it's a good negative. So I reckon you guys must have a real problem when someone actually does enjoy the week so much. They say, I want another week, and you haven't got any position for them to get another week. You know, that's happening a lot at the moment is that um, a lot of people want to extend their stay. And it yeah. actually happened just before when the, when the dark cloud of COVID started to come over us. 
everyone was rolling from week to week to week and it was quite a fascinating thing to see because they didn't want to go outside our gates and experience whatever the uncertainty was. Um, it is, I think, the retreat industry in general uh, and the health industry and well-being industry will have a, a boom ahead of us now for, for you know, some time to come. Mm. Did, did you, as a consequence of closed borders, find that there are a lot of customers who couldn't come to you because basically they couldn't cross the border? Yeah, absolutely. We we have a you know we're based just the other the northern side of the Queensland border, mm. and um, we had many discussions with our clients south of the border about our our uh, lovely premier and her decision making process. Yeah. So even at the last minute, you know, we we've been um, people have been booking in to come here from you know April last year, essentially just shortly after we shut down, and yeah, it's it's caused a few few issues, but. We've extended those, and now that the border was open last week again, it's it's the, the phones haven't stopped ringing. Yeah, and so obviously there's been one or two steps back because of the coronavirus and because of political decisions. But do you think that the mentality of your of your existing and maybe more importantly the potential customer base has changed as a consequence of what the coronavirus delivered to the people of Australia? Yeah, I do. I, de- I definitely do. I think that it's naive to think that it wouldn't. Um, and the focus that is now on people's health and not only their health, Peter, it's also how they're prioritising certain aspects of their life, whether or not, you know, where they're allocating their time and also where they're allocating their money. And I don't see that as a, as a negative at all. As a, I do think that it's a, um, it's a very healthy process that we've been through to really, again, interrogate where we are and have that moment to stop and reflect. I I see that the the guests coming in now, and we've only been this is our third week that, since we've welcomed back guests, um, partly because of the the corona and partly because of a big, big building project that we undertook. But the guests coming in here are very um, they seem a little bit more settled. They seem very open to learning. They seem very very aware of where they are and what they want to achieve. And that's that you know they're having a great time and they're they're taking with them a lot of the benefits of of the week. Well, Chris, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we hope you have a really good year. Um, Thank you. I, I'm hoping all Australian businesses have a good year, but uh, certainly when you have a good year, a whole lot of Australians have a, a very good life. Thanks very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Great chatting to you, Peter. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for joining us. I look forward to catching up with you next week with another legend that we all can learn from. Quentin time! Quentin time! <laughs>